Guys, go ahead. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in the series that we're doing called Developing a Disciple's Heart. We jumped into this about five weeks ago now. And um, we, we started talking about the um, verse where Jesus was asked, you know, what's the most important commandment? And I said, really, what's the most important thing in life? And his response was this amazing, profound response. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we've been looking at that, and I said, you know, practically, we like to make that practical. Practically, that looks like um, some, some fairly simple things, really. I, we talk all the time about being thankful, and that uh, if you can be thankful for five things every day, I think it really helps you to love God well. You, you get your focus right about what He's doing in your life and who He is, and your response is to love Him well. We talk about encouraging other people, at least two other people a day, and that helps us to love others well. And then we love ourselves by doing the next right thing. These are all things we've talked about for a long time. But doing the next right thing, as far as I can tell, is the kindest thing you can do for yourself. Um, in my life, it's always true. When I do the next right thing, it's the best thing I can do. Don't always have that figured out yet. But when I do, life is, it just works better um, in the process. But I've said, even as simple as those three things are, um, we have a lot of distractions in our life, very easy to get off course. Um, Jesus talked to his guys and he even said to them, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak when they couldn't stay awake with him in the garden. That, that our flesh can be a problem. We, it, it causes us issues. Sin is a problem. Selfishness is a problem. My issues tend to get in the way of doing simple things and staying on track with loving God and loving others as myself. So we've launched into this series um, and we're talking about making it even more practical, something that we can do to prime the pump of our disciples' heart to get us really plugged in and stay plugged in throughout the day in order to do those simple things we need to do to walk this thing out as disciples. And so we're, we called it a primer because we were priming the pump, and we're, we're actually working on some actual tools we're going to put in your hand over the course of time to help you um, engage with God every day in a way that will impact the way that you move through the day. And uh, we've said there's kind of seven sections we're going to talk about, how important it is to get focused is where we're starting, and then how important it is to get thankful in our lives, to get, get connected with God, to get spiritually dressed and ready, um, to get encouraging, and then to get her done, ones I've added earlier because I like to say it, and then get her done is the last one with a question mark because we're going to, at the end of the day, see what we did, how we do, um, and, uh, and, you know, hang out with God some more. So uh, what we're talking about er, early on here is the importance of getting focused. And we're looking at Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. I'm kind of breaking it down a verse at a time, a verse every week. And we've so far talked about how amazing it is that we can access the most holy place. We can get into the and, and be in the literal presence of the holy God because we're now in Christ. And because of that, we can get a throne room perspective. Um, we can enter life in a, in a new way, a full way, his living way. Uh, and, we, and then last week we started talking about Jesus as our great priest uh, who understands our struggles and yet models for us how we're to live with a throne room 
perspective. And today we're going to continue on in Hebrews 10.22, but our scripture reading first before we get started is from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 48 and 49. It's out of the message paraphrase. We looked at this verse last week. I need to look at it again for a few minutes here uh, in, in a little while, so I included it as your scripture reading today. The first man was made out of earth. And people since then are earthy. The second man was made out of heaven. And people now can be heavenly. In the same way that we've worked from our earthy origins, let's embrace our heavenly ends. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So we're going to dig into that here in just a moment. Hebrews 10.22 is kind of the foundation for the series, though. And it says this, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. That's what we're going to talk about today. It goes on with what we've been looking at. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, these verses are about perspective. They're about focus. And they're about um, just knowing that we have access to the throne room of God and how amazing that is because of who Jesus is and what he's done and who we are in him and how God sees us now in Christ. Um, we've been cleansed and washed with pure water, those verses are saying, because we're in Christ. This was a lot harder process in the Old Testament. We've touched on that, but look at this verse in Numbers 8-7. Uh, this was talking about the Levites. To purify them, do this. Sprinkle the water of cleansing on them, then have them shave their whole bodies and wash their clothes, and so purify themselves. See, now, this, this was a much harder process. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, you, they had to be wa- washed with this cleansing water. And this cleansing water was made... It took a whole chapter of Scripture to tell them how to make this cleansing water. And it, you started with a, a, a bowl, and, and he, he had to get smoked. And, and, and then they took the ashes, and they took them out of the camp, and they, they did all this stuff. And, and you had to make this cleansing water that was there for the people. And then the, so the, the Levites, the, before they could even think about hanging out with God, um, they had to be, be washed in this water. Then they had to shave their whole bodies, the Scripture says. I don't even like shaving my cheek. <laughs> I consider that to be a cumbersome burden uh, on an every other day basis. Ah, I should just grow it all back. In order to go hang out with God, they had to shave their whole bodies and then wash all of their clothes. This was the process that they needed to engage in. But see, in Christ... Um, we've been purified. We've been washed in a, in a spiritual way so we don't have to go through all the physical stuff. Um, we're forgiven. Uh, this is that, it's kind of connected to that 1 John 1, 9 verse. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So our great priest that we talked about last week, Jesus, because of what He's done on the cross, has purified us so that when we stand before God, we stand before Him cleansed. Now, this is really important for us to get, this whole perspective thing, because the struggle we have is that we know we're still a mess. All of us who are honest and real know we still have issues that we're dealing with in our lives. None of us has been perfected yet. None of us. 
And sometimes we can, we can get into our brains that we really shouldn't be hanging out with God because He's perfect and holy. And, and you know, this, I know what a mess I am. And the enemy loves to take that and just keep working on you and say, I know what you did. And He knows what you did. And, and just ratchet up the guilt and the shame to keep us out of the presence of God where we can be made whole, where we can find life. And, and the evil one's trying to steal it from us by keeping us out of Hanging out with God because we're a mess. So, so we have to get new perspective. That's why it's so important every day that you start hanging out with God, understanding these verses that it's, it's not because you've earned it, because you haven't. It's because of what Jesus did. And in Christ, we can hang out with God, where we can get this whole different look at life. People that are following Jesus who love him won't take advantage of that and go, well, this means I can go and do anything that I want to do. When you love him, you don't want to keep doing the stuff that you don't. You struggle in, you're, you're, you're pressing in, you're working on it, you're making mistakes, but you don't want to keep doing it. So I tell you every day, I, I have issues, but every day I say, God, I want to do better today because I love you so much. I, just, I want to do better. And this is the process that we engage in. But because of Christ, we're, we're seen as whole and cleansed already in him. And and so if we get a hold of that, then the enemy can't use that against us because what he does is he starts to push our guilt and shame buttons and then what our most likely response is to that is to go and do it again what we shouldn't be doing anyway. We just run right back to it. Because it's all gets stirred up in the mess. And that's what we can't do. And so focus and perspective are extremely important as disciples. How you view God, how you perceive your relationship with Him impacts everything that you do. So we have to ask ourselves, first point, what is your picture of God? What's your picture of God? By that I mean, how do you, how do you see Him? How do you view Him? Um, uh, how do you think He thinks about you? I'm going to dig into that, but first a little story before we get there. Tom Brady, the quarterback for the Patriots, this is the story now, after a full life, so at some point in the future, he comes to know Christ uh, as his Savior, and then he passes on. And when he gets to heaven, uh, God shows him around. And as he was showing him around, they come to this model little house with a little faded Patriots flag in the window. And God says to Tom Brady, this is yours for eternity, Tom. And, and, and God says to him, it's a very special house. Not everyone gets a house up here. And, and Tom felt special indeed, and he walks up to his house. And on the way up to the porch, he notices another house is just down the road a little bit. It's this huge three-story mansion, and it's orange, and it's blue, and, and it has all these uh, uh, Florida Gators things on it, and Denver Broncos things on it, and, and, and there's this uh, uh, huge swimming pool in the, in the shape of the Broncos logo, and, uh, and, and there's this Tim Tebow jersey, huge, hanging on one side of the house. And Tom Brady looks at God and he says, you know, God, I, I, I don't mean to be ungrateful or anything. I, I have a question. I was, a, I was an all-pro quarterback. I've won several Super Bowls, MVP a number of times. And God looks at him and says, well, what's your point, Tom? He says, well, well why does Tim Tebow get a better house than me? And God kind of laughs and he puts his hand on Tom Brady's shoulder and he says, Tom, that's not Tim's house. That's my house. I like that one a lot. I don't know how you feel about it, but I like it. So, okay. 
and it kind of fits. All right, so our picture of God. How do you view God? I mean, maybe you don't see God as doing that kind of stuff, but then that's okay. Um, but we talk all the time here about living by trying to do the next right thing. It's one of those basic things. We already talked about it half a dozen times in today's little message. Because um, I believe it's a very, very biblical way for us to live. It's part of living as disciples. Um, and that somehow as we embrace that, we're moving into the will of God for our lives. Um, the problem is, this way of walking with God, which I'm encouraging everyone to do, won't work if your picture of God isn't right. If you have a twisted picture of God, this won't work for you. Um, if you think that somehow God is out to get you, just kind of waiting to pounce on you and punish you every time you make a mistake, you have a twisted picture of God. When you experience difficulties in your life, which we all do, if your first thought is that God is punishing you for something, you have a twisted picture of God. If, if you are running through, uh, moving through life and you sort of have a, a pretty good season of life going, and now you're spending your time thinking that it's going to end soon, something bad's going to happen, you have a twisted picture of who God is in your life. And, and so... You have to know that sometimes you'll do the wrong thing. All of us do it. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying it's part of the deal. But when you do, you have to know that you can run back to him and you can just quickly turn around. You don't have to get drugged through the, the, the mess. You, you, or, you don't have to go into guilt and shame. You just, oh God, I messed up. And you go running back to him. And your picture needs to be of a God who loves you, who's for you, who understands you're broken, who loves you anyway, who made a way for you in Christ to hang out with Him, and that when you come to Him, He just grabs you up in His arms and He loves on you. He's excited that you've come. And, and, and you just cry out to Him and He, he forgives you, and then he, he releases you to go and do it again by the, by, by the Spirit of God. And if that's not how you see God in relationship to you, I'm going to encourage you this week, spend some time praying this through. You need to get a better picture of who God is in your life. You need to get a whole different picture. It's only as you experience His love and His mercy and His grace that you can really embrace living by trying to do the next right thing. That you can really sort of move into what it looks like to be a disciple. I put a picture in. It should come up. Go ahead. Give me that next slide, guys. Now, that's me and Sam. That's my grandson, in case you don't know. And uh, he was about a year old. Leave the picture up for a minute, please. The... uh, See, I, that picture struck me I mean, for a lot of different reasons. And, and don't, if any of you don't go, don't think I'm, I'm seeing like God in the picture. I'm not, okay? I get that. Um, but what's passing between us there, I'm giving him what's called a grandpa squeeze, where I would just pick him up and I'd just squeeze him. And I act like I'm squeezing him really hard and I'm not, but I'm squeezing him, to, you know, tight enough that he knows he's being loved. But do you see the look in his face and, and the look in my... What's passing between us at that moment... Is just sheer love and joy. That's all I can explain it to you. It's just an absolute moment of connection, of love and joy. Everything is good. Everything is right with the world. And we're hanging out together. Now, when I saw that picture, what I got right away was, and it's special. I'll keep that picture forever. See, that's what I feel like when I run to God. I'm Sam in that, in that case. And that's, see, that's what I feel like. 
that's my picture of, of how much God loves me, that he's for me. And it has nothing to do that I, I don't earn that. I don't deserve it. I'm not. I'm, there's no way it should be happening. But that's what's going on. And see, I, I need you to start working on your picture. If you don't have a picture, you can go back to me on the camera. If you don't have a picture of, of God as one who loves you and is for you, this process that we're talking about falls apart completely. Because the enemy will just beat you up and you, you won't be able to engage in it. And you won't find the freedom that you need. So there's something about understanding your brokenness that doesn't license you to continue to be broken, but licenses you to run to God when you're a mess, who will strengthen you so you don't keep messing up and, and doing the things that you did. See, there's something in the process we have to get a hold of. And, and so there, there's too many people that spend their days doubting the goodness of God. And you need to know that He is good and He's for you. So... Um, Last week, I, I, we talked about 1 Corinthians 15, 48, and 49 briefly. It was your scripture reading today. Uh, and I concentrated on verse 49 last week, but there's something in verse 48 that I want to talk about uh, here in, in our discussion. The idea that Jesus is the second Adam. Um, Adam was the first Adam, and, and Adam messed it up so badly with sin, and, and just, just messed up everything, that Jesus, the second Adam, has to come in order to fix the disaster that took place at the fall. And, and that's what he does. And understanding Jesus as the second Adam coming to fix the disaster will make a difference of the way that you picture God in this relationship. And so there's two parables I'm going to discuss very quickly with you in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, you probably know them as the parable of the treasure in the field and the pearl of great value. Matthew 13, 44 through uh, 46 says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then his jo in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, these um, uh, are presented in, a, in, a, in, a, in Hebrew in a, in a parallel stream of thought. And what that means is it's two uh, parables that mean the same thing. He just says one and then he emphasizes it with the next one. They're, they're, they're just one of the same. And he's making a point, and it's such an important point that he wants to make it twice. And so they're... And this parable, these parables are often used uh, to talk about how a disciple should have an attitude that there's nothing more important or valuable in life than following Jesus, which is true, and in fact, that's part of what that parable means. But there's another side to these parables that you need to understand in what we're doing. And so point number two is this. You need to know that you are the treasure. You need to know that you are the treasure. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. You have to look at that parable at this point and consider that Jesus is the man who found it and then purchased the field. He found the treasure and then purchased the field. Jesus bought the field to get to the treasure. Jesus, the second Adam, came and paid for the sins of this whole world so that he could have whosoever will, will come. Jesus bought the field to get the treasure. Jesus paid for the sin of all time for all people, so that he could get your sin for this time. Because you are his treasure. It's you that he's after. He paid it all so he could have relationship with you. 
You're the treasure hidden in the field. You. Jesus did it for you. He bought the field. He took on the sin of everybody. Every, not just yours, but everybody's. The whole world. He bought the whole field so he could have the treasure in it. You're the treasure. And he did it for you. So he paid for everybody's sin through all time. So at this time, he could have your sin so that he could have relationship with you for all time. You're the treasure. See, and then he goes on with the next one. And you need to know also that you're the pearl. Matthew 13, 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now listen, there's a considerable difference between a pearl merchant looking for pearls and you and I looking for pearls. Um, you know, I don't even know. I know I, I have this idea that when you get a pearl, if you, you're supposed to check to see if it's real or not, you rub it against your teeth or something. But I don't know what you'd be feeling for. I have no idea. I'd just be looking like I was trying to know something. I'd be like, oh yeah, that's a good one. It could be as fake as anything else. I don't have a clue. Okay, and, and you know, I, 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 some people probably know pearls. Maybe you do. I don't know. But I would say most people don't. But a pearl merchant, someone whose life is spent in a quest for pearls, knows pearls. You've got to get that. This is somebody that knows pearls. And so this merchant found a pearl so amazing that he was willing to give everything to have it. Guess what? Jesus is the pearl merchant of this story. And you are the pearl. And, and Jesus came and he found such beauty and such potential in you that he gave it all so he could be in relationship with you. So you have to take this stuff in. Because our verse today says we can draw near to God in full assurance of faith because of what Jesus has done. Not because we've earned it. Not because we're perfect. Not because we, we should not. Just because of what Jesus has done. And he did it because he loves you. Because you're the treasure. You're the pearl. And he's made a way for you to have access to a perfect, holy, righteous God. The creator of the universe. And when he looks at you, he sees you in Christ. As pure and clean and whole. See, this is what you need to take in every day. You're his child. You're his beloved. Uh, he, that's how he sees you. What we have to do now is just kind of work a little bit on how we see him. And allow that to sort of settle on our hearts. Because that perception impacts everything that we do as disciples. Next week, we're going to dig deeper into the goodness of God. And what that looks like. Because, see, that's a foundational thing. Uh, you've got to know that God is good. And that he's for you. And so we'll talk about that more next week as we dig into our next verse. But for today, that's where we're going to end it. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you so much for watching. We're glad that you could. If there's anything we can do for you, hit our website, call us, email us, write us, whatever we can do. We'll see what we can do. We'll certainly pray for you. Thanks for watching. We're going to close tonight with prayer.